All right. Well, good evening on this one. You wouldn't know unless you're watching one of our audio channels, but we are at a campground. There's a lake behind us, a smoker, lanterns going, and we've got a bonus episode for you here on an all-new episode of C2 Wait. Well, it is a bonus episode. Uh, we've planned on doing these in the past. And the idea is that there's going to be things that come up and opportunities that we want to take advantage of. This is one of them. What is the advantage, CJ? <laughs> <laughs> well, naturally, we were, we have a whole bunch of, uh, of our friends together. Um, we're out here camping on the lake. You brought a generator, which means that we can also use your Traeger like grill to smoke mm. ribs. Um, so we got that going, um, and we we decided that since we have this particular group of guys together, that we wanted to capitalize on the moment and do some uh, recording for the podcast. One because we just did um, the biblical manhood, right? That, yeah. that episode, um, and we have another uh, podcast that's coming or episode that's coming out uh, talking about like the influences that we uh, allow into our lives and then that kind of thing. The friends that you choose, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, you guys are the chosen. So let's go, go ahead and take a minute and introduce yourselves over there. All right. I'm uh, Andrew Limley. I've been uh, hanging with these guys for like three years now. And uh, I can say that they've become some of my closest friends and uh, very, very proud to have them in my life. And Andrew does a lot of the media work mm. at Cornerstone, right? The church that we pastor at. Yep. Um, except so, for C28 podcasts. <laughs> except for C28. Except for yeah, C2. You, you just to get any, to be on. You're the star on any C2 of the church. Any of the church podcast, audio, video, any of that stuff is going to be done by this guy right there. That's right. Uh, my name is Daryl. I'm definitely not having any hand in the audio or video fixing like my uh, brother-in-law, Andrew, here. You're a pretty face. My, my pretty face, and uh, I tend to work uh, decently with CJ at our youth staff as well. And That's oh, yeah. right. I drag him to camp with me. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was quite the experience. The trenches yeah. of ministry right there, youth ministry mm. and children's ministry. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, that's an open-ended question. <laughs> uh, what do you do for a living, Daryl? So I'm a, I'm a teacher down in Stockton. I have been teaching in Stockton for about four years now, teach middle school, I've taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Uh, been with Cornerstone for probably about three years now. Mm. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I know. Crazy. Dude, I baptized you at a, in a, hor- we were having church in a horse <laughs> arena. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will never forget my baptism. That is right. It was, it was about, uh, thank- I'll never forget this episode. <laughs> Hey, we, we don't edit this, so it is what it is, I guess. It was a horse sorry. arena. We were, we were talking about his baptism, CJ. I'm so sorry. Yes, yes, the baptism, the baptism in the horse arena. Um, so, yeah, my wife and I, we actually uh, were fortunate enough to be baptized at the same time. It is something that had been on our hearts uh, individually for some time, and you know, the opportunity presented itself to uh, do the baptism together at the horse arena where it was freezing cold, but mm-hmm. you know what? I didn't even mind. Yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was awesome. That was neat. Jack. Uh, yeah, I've already talked too much on the show before, but as a second uh, time guest, I'm looking forward to my free C28 hat in the mail soon. <laughs> Ooh. And uh, I'm still digesting all of Brian's ribs which were top notch although cj's chili did give him a run oh. for his money how close was it though 
London broil was tender, but the ribs were falling off the bone. Oh, so, all right, all right. I mean, I didn't want to bring this about. I mean, apples and oranges, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> here's some ruffling good. late night. It's a bear, I promise. <laughs> and Jack, Jack does the announcements for us at church. Yeah, he is the announcements guy, yeah. certified part of the union of national. It's not a union; guys. it's an oh. association. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll let you talk about it. <laughs> It's a brotherhood. <laughs> you were like four minutes and 30 seconds of an intro. <laughs> Let's move it along. This, is, this is not biblical it, manhead. It, hey. This is this is a bonus episode. We can be loosey-goosey. Sure. Jack, uh, you talked about, you, you were on this uh, podcast before. What were you talking about? Uh, we talked a little bit about ministry, local global ministry with Brother Andrew. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Brother Andrew. Glad to be not back. Not this it's Andrew. It's an honor. It's Different an honor. Andrew. You, you, gotta you talk have to talk into the microphone. No one can hear you. <laughs> you I sound like you're a mile away. And they make more of them. <laughs> He's down by the lake. Yeah, I would love it if we got a fish while we're just sitting here. Right. So there is the potential that while recording this, we start hearing the bells on the end of our fishing poles ring, and yeah. we will leave this table and go reel in a catfish. Yeah. There's that potential. You'll hear a lot of thuds and weird noises and then um i'll cut that out and then we'll be back and we'll tell you all about it i'm well, sure you might hear like me screaming in the distance the microphone might catch it <laughs> well fishing or not fishing we have to be prepared for that <laughs> 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 all right so as cj had uh said there is a uh the, the, the purpose of this podcast is that we just finished biblical manhood and then a group of us were going to the lake i'll be honest where i was coming from uh when I was considering this idea, and that was um, that th this is the group that I um, have chosen. I don't, we haven't like you know signed a contract or anything, but I have personally chosen that this blood is the brothers. Group. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where I've chosen this is the group that if they say something hard to me, um, I'm going to respect that opinion. And, uh, and so in a sense, like these are, and, and there's probably some others, I guess, but, um, on day to day basis, these are the guys I'm around. I've chosen that, like, I trust these guys. I'm going to put myself around them intentionally and allow them to have an influence in my life. And if they say something like, uh, you know, and, you know, exhorting me or correcting me, um, I'm going to take a good hard look at it. Um, and just assume it's probably true because, um, that is kind of my intention with these guys. So, and that's part of what we talk about with biblical manhood. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, I mean, this is part of the group that holds me accountable to that biblical manhood standard. Um, and so that's kind of how I saw this fit. Yeah. And in that episode, I don't remember, we might have, but I can't remember right now if we actually touched on the idea of, um, biblical manhood, not, not being done in isolation. Mm, um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure if we really got into that, but um, I think that's really key. And so I'm glad we're getting to do kind of this, you know, bonus follow-up kind mm -hmm. of episode to that. Like the, the biblical manhood um, uh, played out in action. I'm not sure how you would put it. But I guess my question for you guys, um, our, uh, our guest on this episode, would be what are some of the, um, the benefits that you've found to like Christian community with other men um, in similar stages of life? Um, how have you seen that benefit your life? Maybe even what are some of the challenges to that and, and maintaining that community? Um, I, I guess I could, we could open it up to any one of you guys yeah. that, that is ready to uh, speak into that. What do you got? I think I've found just the more time that I spend with you guys, the more I recognize that we're all kind of templates for each other in different ways because we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, 
we're kind of all, yeah, at the exact same stage of life where we have uh, wives and young children, and we're trying to figure this all out as we go. Some of us have had more experience, mm-hmm. some less, but um, the danger of isolation is you got to try to figure it out on your own, and you're going to make a lot more mistakes if you haven't um, been around somebody who maybe has already made those mistakes and can help you through it. So that's, I really appreciate this group uh, for that reason. Just, uh, I think we're good at recognizing where uh, these brothers need help and lifting each other up. Yeah, that's good. For me, it's, um, while I'm super appreciative of you guys, and, you know, as guys, do we struggle sometimes to look each other in the eye and go, I appreciate you, man, <laughs> you know, and, and mean it sincerely? That's Maybe. why we do this in the dark. So no one the moonlight glistening on your face right now? Uh, it really just sets the mood. But uh, And the appreciation sometimes, I think it's masked just from baggage that I bring into relationships. Not just, you know, people think that. They think relationships, the um, you know, between spouses or between potential spouses. But even with this, I have just never been someone who connected with men easily. Mm. Uh, there was always a track record in my family, not my biological family for anyone who's listening, but uh, <laughs> some other family where it was just a lot of loud, intoxicated men. And there's a lot of trauma mm. there from childhood. And I definitely see it in my adulthood where I struggle to make those connections. And, but I was remind myself, I'm like, but I, but I want to make those connections with these guys. So it, it's, it's really a good push for me to, step out of my comfort zone and know that I don't have to like walk this alone. Nice. This. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's cool. I appreciate that. Hey Amen. Looks like we got park ranger making know, around here. He's coming. Don't Let's look. See if don't we get some wait, tickets. Mid show. Uh, no, it says, it says ranger. Oh, that's the ranger. Yeah. It's ranger Austin. Yeah. No, so what we're worried about is I didn't know everybody and their mom was going to drive their own vehicle. So I think we're allowed two vehicles and we're going to have five here. So it doesn't sound very edifying. I'm not even sure what you mean by that. Your tone. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I apologize. Well, you know, in, in, uh, in all seriousness, I guess like CJ and I have had conversations recently where, um, I've had my, my, uh, sarcasm and i think i mask a lot in sarcasm right and uh and i've had relationships that were that had a lot to do with sarcasm and they were my closest relationships actually um i think what i've learned over the years um and mainly because somebody um told me this to my face that i think that um sarcasm does although it may be a bonding attribute sometimes you know it's not in the five love languages book but I think that um, it can be detrimental to the uh, to to the growth. And what I mean is that you can get to the certain level, but once you have s- this thick, sharp sarcasm in your life, it's hard to like move past that. Sometimes, like you kind of you kind of top out in a in a relationship because it's sharp sarcasm in in humor can be uh, um, I don't know a little dangerous, I guess, and. Uh, just in my own life, I know I've hurt people and, um, and they have brought it to my attention. So I try to put the brakes on that fairly quickly. And I've also seen, uh, ministry struggle because of sarcasm between the two leaders and, uh, and, and because I think it can turn into when it, when a, when a relationship is struggling, I believe that people who use a lot of sarcasm then mask things and sarcasm begin to say things 
sarcastically that they actually mean seriously and then you can't find that line anymore and then there's the what if what did he mean you know and uh, and, it's, and it just makes it a struggle so i i try to put a meter on my sarcasm but that's something that's been confronted to me in the last four years so yeah so what do you think are um some of the ways that that a group like this um who does like to give each other a hard time right um, that does like to be sarcastic and, and tease or whatever, um, can, can still do that, but not use it, um, as, as a way to, to mask, uh, authenticity, right? Because what, what I've seen, like, especially working with, with teenage guys, um, is that, that, that sarcasm and that humor gets used as a wall to prevent authentic, um, meaningful conversation and relationship. Mm. Um, because everyone can have a good time and that's easy because it usually stays surface level, right? When that teasing and stuff is going on, but well, I'm talking about biblical manhood and how that plays out. Um, how does a group like this, uh, pursue the, the authentic conversations and the getting below the surface level? Um, what do you guys think? I think that the sarcasm's great as a, a social tool and we definitely have that, I think among this group of friends, but uh, you can't have it replace conversations that you would otherwise have, right? So maybe in addition to, mm. and as like the major of the friendship mm-hmm. is its own thing. But then I think we've all probably, most of us have probably seen each other cry at some point. I mean, like that's just the type of friendship, right? We go through really difficult things and share it with this group and yeah. uh, lean on one another. And so like we're able to be vulnerable, seek advice, seek counsel, um, seek biblical counsel from this group and it's not, uh, the sarcasm's not preventing those conversations from happening. We're seeking those conversations as like a, a first point of counsel, you know, when life is difficult. So uh, that's the key, right? You just, you got to still seek out uh, those meaningful growth conversations. Yeah, that's I, good. I got a question unless you want, D- Daryl. No, it was just ahead. real quick. It, it was just Andrew's use of the word intentional, you know, because Andrew, uh, Brian had talked about, you know, in the last couple of years, he's come to his attention. People have brought certain things up like, hey, your sarcasm cut a little deep, man. But Are I you doing know, it right now? No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. it right live? No, it's no, happening right live? Now. <laughs> not now, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> but the, as Andrew said, with that intentionality, there is something with this group to where I love the banter between any of us, but I know if I look any one of you in the eye and go, I need help. Or yeah. I need counsel. Mm-hmm. Like, if I can come and be that open communicator, I know the banter's not going to enter until we're done. Yeah. And it's and there's that level of trust that you mentioned at the beginning, too, where, like, you need to find a group like this that you can trust. Mm-hmm. And so that way you can look them in the eye and say, I need someone right now. I need someone to carry this with me. Yeah. Yeah, that's real stuff. What do you think, Jack? Uh, I was reflecting on your first question around just benefits and it seems like the theme we're going towards is a little bit around fellowship. And I think, um, you know, I think back to the garden and God obviously saw there was going to be some issues if we were left alone there. So brought a partner in, in a woman, but also when we think of how relational God is and if we're made in his image and we behave and have tendencies like God who is relational with the Trinity, then we do need each other. And so when I think personally, being a little bit more introverted, I like my quiet time, but I know I'm not at my best unless that's balanced out with other brothers in Christ who are keeping me in check, who are cracking jokes every once in a while and walking with me in my sanctification. And if I was going to say one word as far as benefits 
and maybe a way to balance out some of the sarcasm uh, when we get in that lighthearted mood is also wisdom. Because countless times I can look across this whole table, I've talked to everyone about whether it's kids or marriage or business, like constantly seeking wisdom as the Bible tells us for Mm -hmm. counsel. And so that to me is a huge benefit of it in that importance of just situational relationships where sometimes we crack jokes. And I think last time we went camping, we were cracking jokes left and right around the dinner table. And then we listened to a Ravi Zacharias podcast on his downfall. And we were calling each other out in an edifying way Mm -hmm. about our temptations. And so very quickly our heart posture can change and it's whatever's appropriate because we know there's trust. And so trust and wisdom are, are really powerful for me when it comes to this. And I'm, I'm thankful for y'all. So a couple of you guys brought up the idea of trust. Um, how would, let's say that there's a, this is like CJ. He's just writing small group questions right now in his mind. <laughs> as the conversation goes, he's <laughs> well, like, no, there's small group questions. <laughs> hey, I can stop. I don't mean to do that, but I, uh, I do get into the habit. I write um, discussion questions every week for youth groups. So you're good um, at it. I, I can rattle them off, but let's say that there is a guy um, similar age to us who's just trying to get plugged into a church and, and he doesn't have that trust with a group of people like, or a group of men, like we've been describing. What would you guys say to him? Um, what kind of counsel would you give him as far as like building that trust from scratch? Mm. Right, like, how does he get started? How how does how does a group like this get going? Let's say if someone wanted to establish something like this, this is like brass tax. Somebody's listening, being like, "I want what they're talking about. I need what they're talking about. Exactly. How do I do that at my church?" Exactly. Ooh, yeah, that's heavy. Man, I'll have to think of a good answer to that. But I'm thinking back to when I was, you know, a handful of years ago. I'm the person you're describing, right? Coming in to church, don't really know anybody, and. I think it just started with like organic conversations with CJ, with Brian, with, um, you know, different people who were welcoming. I think we met at a wedding reception. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, and that's at that point, you know, like you didn't know where I was at or where my walk was. And uh, through conversations, like just going up to, it, it could be anybody, but let's say men of a similar age or demographic that you can connect with on some point and start talking to them and seeing where they're at in their walk, what they're past is see if you know you have something in common and a lot of times that's where we connect right it's like you see something that you have in common with that person you start getting to know them better uh you invite them to a small group uh start learning together and through spending more time i think you guys could probably attest that you kind of saw better how with daryl or with myself uh how to help guide us and like grow as baby christians you know infant christians <laughs> um and point us in the right direction and uh teach us kind of what to avoid and, and where to seek wise counsel. So uh, I guess just speaking from what has worked for me, it would be to try to connect with men or other people uh, on a conversational level and, and get them plugged into the church, either in a group setting where they can uh, be around other believers and they're not left to fight that fight alone and try to figure out how to be a, a believer on their own. And also I think the natural progression, at least uh, for most of this group has been uh, somehow or other, Brian and CJ have dragged all of us into a different type of ministry, right? So we we started doing... <laughs> or was it the Holy Spirit? Or was it? Yeah, but you know, I, I think it's just good being around people that see like, hey, I think he would be good at this and getting them plugged into to that because that for me has been, I think, the biggest um, 
kind of push for me to pay more attention, uh, take it more serious and, and grow has been being in charge of something and knowing like I need to understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Speaking of which, we should have someone talk about who just went through it. Yeah. 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 So check this out. Uh, we just had another, another bro show up. Uh, Austin, uh, he was running a little late because he's taking care of important things like a biblical man should. There you go. And, uh, did you, anybody did forget his fishing license. <laughs> I did. I left it at the office. All right. There's evidence. <laughs> now there's, we were, uh, Jack's implying that we were going to do the wrong thing and tell him to fish anyways. <laughs> but now there's, now I, there's I, I tried audio to put it out, but I guess you can only do that 72 hours after purchase. So oh, really? Uh, I couldn't do a temporary one. I want, can, your wife, gonna, your, wife take a picture? can your wife send you a picture of it? Or someone at the office? She's not at the office <laughs> right now. <laughs> but why? <laughs> why? Why isn't she, though? <laughs> She's less dedicated than you are. About you know, a biblical <laughs> woman taking <laughs> care of our, our kids right now. Is her head even in the game, though? <laughs> not in the office right now? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, Sarah. All right, quick rundown. Uh, go ahead and eat that mic when you talk. Yep. And uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, just kind of like your, your name, how you got plugged into Cornerstone, a little bit about your family. I, uh, I told this story today, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, so my name is Austin. Uh, I live probably a half hour from the church, and we had been, um, I have a wife and four kids, and we've been looking for a biblical church for a while. Uh, found a pretty solid one, but it was, it was far, and it was really tough to get plugged in. Anyway, we were kind of in this period of searching where we were looking for uh, fellowship, community, and a body of believers like us. So in the meantime, I am looking for uh, resources and buying theology books on Facebook Marketplace <laughs> and found a, a guy. Would. <laughs> right. found some sleaze ball that charged you full price. <laughs> found a guy, charged me full price, but it, was, money on it was local. <laughs> and um, so he told me an address to, to pick up these books, which I still haven't read, which oh I'm laughing gosh. about. You've got to um, read Bovink, okay? Because it's been over a year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> still on the shelf. But anyway, so I, I ended up meeting CJ. He was selling me these books, and we met in the church parking lot. And um, we ended up talking just for maybe a half hour at least. Yeah. And I knew immediately... Like there was something special, you know. I couldn't couldn't let this <laughs> one go. That experience. <laughs> I went um, home. I was like, Bethany, I think I just made a friend. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I said. I called Sarah and I said, I have a new friend. And she goes, That's weird. He's not your friend. <laughs> He's not your friend. That's how you lose friends, I'm babe. Like, no, in one year we're gonna be camping together. You don't even know. <laughs> um, no, but I I've been praying and just really looking for um, biblical uh, friendships. Just men and friends that I could get together with and not feel guilty after guys that we could talk about yeah. our faith and our struggles and, um, guys like this where we can get together and sit around a fire and talk about theology. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've well, we always put Jack in charge of the fire and it never happens. So now there is no fire <laughs> sitting around a <laughs> card table. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, as soon as I met CJ in the church parking lot and I realized he's a guy my age who cares about his faith mm. and who uh, desires to grow and he's in seminary and he has a family. I knew something special. And so we, we got in contact and we were friends on Facebook for a while. Eventually he invited me to come to Cornerstone and I brought my family 
I didn't realize there were other young guys with families who cared about their family. <laughs> Buckle up, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I mean, it's a rare thing. And so yeah. it's amazing. That's why we decided to jump right in. Um, it really is a unique uh, situation to come in and have all your bros there, you know, with your back. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's just something really special. And that's why we were so eager to jump in at small group. We saw immediately all these young couples who want to grow in their faith and take it seriously. It's just so encouraging. So anyway, that's kind of how I got plugged in. Been here ever since and happy to be a part of it. Nice. Cool. I got a question for you out the gate. So um, you had explained that it was hard to kind of find other people that care about their faith, maybe other biblical men your age right, and stuff like that. Uh, so what was it like trying to get um, the, like that search process, right? So one of the questions that we were, we asked right before you got here was essentially for the listener right now. That's like, Hey, those guys have something I've been looking for a group of guys that love the Lord, uh, spend time together, get their families together, hold Mm -hmm. each other accountable. We do correct each other and exhort each other and also encourage and shoulder, uh, burdens together. Um, like the listener now is like, I want that, but how how do I even like get, like, how does that even happen? Um, what was kind of your experience and advice for somebody like that? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it took me a while, really, for years. I'd, I've been praying for, I mean, many things, but two things specifically re- related to this topic, which one was a group of friends who cared about their faith, and two was just some old guy who knew his Bible really well that could just take me in and disciple me and mentor me, mm-hmm. and I found both a cornerstone, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. He's not that old, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, it's been awesome. Um, it's just been constant, um, prayer and seeking and patience. Um, there are a lot of good friends in my life, but it's taken a while to find some who really, who really do care about their faith, who want to know God and grow in their relationship with God. So it's just been, um, patience and waiting and seeking out, um, new, uh, new places to meet believers, seeking out, uh, books and knowledge and, you find out, you know, once you start to really try to grow in your faith and gain materials and resources, you'll find other people doing the same. Mm. And so for me, that was, that was huge. And now even, even, uh, being friends with you guys or even like being on Facebook groups with people and Facebook messenger groups, it's, you can find these people out there. Um, but if you're just sitting alone in your living room on your phone, you might, might not catch them. Interesting. You, you, Daryl and, uh, Andrew kind of all had something you guys hit on and that's essentially getting plugged into where that does happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it, it compare in my mind, it's like, I talk to these guys that like want a Christian woman and they keep going to bars trying to find these Christian women. Right. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you're, you're looking for the right thing. You're going to the wrong place. Yep. And it sounds like you guys are all like, Hey, I was looking for that. I was searching for that. And you kind of had to get plugged into the right place, which is a good solid church. Uh, yeah. Right? And not only that, it's, there's trial and error too. I mean, when I was searching for a church, I'm more of a reformed belief and Cornerstone isn't necessarily of that, you know, belief. I mean, not explicitly at least. Say it. Like we're so, not, we're not reading it. the Westminster. <laughs> on Sunday right. 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 Yeah. But, but I'm Googling reformed Baptist churches, Sacramento, California and, and trying to look around in all these areas for something super specific 
I would have never tried Cornerstone. I've driven oh, by it a million you. times, yeah. but I just, I never even considered it until mm-hmm. I met a friend and he happened to. <laughs> hey, I sold you Bavink. Like, it doesn't get more reformed than that. <laughs> right. Like, that's why it was a big deal. How that's reformed why I was excited. are you? <laughs> Dutch reformed. <laughs> that's how reformed he is. I wouldn't know. I still oh haven't read it. Gosh. But. It's but yeah, right. I, I it's think there is the first edition the right in the there English is translation. A, <laughs> there is, I think, some trial and error too because yeah. it's. I mean, until you really get to know someone and you can get into that group, it's hard to tell, and just googling certain phrases won't always get you the right answer. You know. So <laughs> let me throw something out there. Speaking of being in the like looking in the right places, so I had some good Christian friends when I was in junior high and high school. And I think that one of the things I benefited from is that my parents placed me in the right environment and structured certain values. And then, you, and when you're in the right environment, you, you there there will be people there that don't have the same values, don't don't really want to follow Jesus, right? They're just there for Christian culture or whatever. But eventually, there's going to be people there that are like minded, mm-hmm. and uh, and so for me, it was just. Like, obviously, when I'm in junior high, I'm not thinking, like, like I need a good discipleship group, you know, of men, you know, that I could grow into a better husband and a, and a better father. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I think that when I was younger, I just kind of fell into those things uh, because I was in the right environment. And then just naturally, I'm like, oh, like, it's easy being around these guys because we do share the same things. And so another benefit of, you know, going to the right places for, you know, this kind of a group and this kind of accountability and encouragement. Well, and I think... I think there is something to what Austin is saying, um, that what we have happening at Cornerstone is pretty unique, I think. I agree. Um, not that it should be. I'll put it that way. Like It, it shouldn't be unique. It should be happening in every church, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not by any, um, like any giftings, I think, in the guys that are here. It's like we just there's this grace of God at Cornerstone where he keeps drawing these people um, in and and... I don't like on every Sunday, any Sunday, you don't know who's going to walk through the door and like become one of your closest friends. Right. Like that's, I remember the first time Jack and Callie uh, came to Cornerstone and they walked in and we're like, Oh my gosh, really cool Bay area people. He has tattoos. <laughs> like, He's sleeved. There's so right much front of cooler us. than us. He's not even wearing a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> I was like, will you please come to my small group tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> You're embarrassing. No, me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, but like, it, it's amazing. I mean, uh, Jack, you um, you stopped at Cornerstone because, well, you told the story better. I've, I've only heard it secondhand because I wasn't actually there. But uh, I believe Quentin and Matt were outside, and there was a bunch of youth running around in the parking mm-hmm. lot. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, another testament to biblical manhood, some men stepping up to help you know, a youth event. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but my wife and I were looking for a place to live. We'd never even heard of Ion, probably like most listeners, <laughs> but uh, stumbled upon it, had just checked out a house, felt right, and knew that, you know, our church was going to be important. I'd seen Cornerstone on the map and drove by, and Matt and Quentin happened to be out there, got out, talked to them, and just instantly started going in on some doctrine, but then also seeing how they were looking out for the children running around, uh, and just, you know, sensing a little bit of the presence of the Lord, but then also just kind of trusting that one step at a time um, of where God leads is where you should be. And, uh, you know, it's cool that he's brought us all here. And I hope listeners are just feeling um, that there is that opportunity, even if it's unique here, 
I think the main thing that uh, my brother Austin just called out is through prayer. Yeah, it's, it's got to be that. through prayer because yeah. it can be easy to hear an episode like this and start to idolize brotherhood and fellowship. So hopefully I'm not too provocative here, but you need to trust God to have you where he wants you at the time, because some people might hear this and say, oh, let me go just meet up with my bros and go camp all the time. And we read a little Bible. But at the same time, if God wants you focused on your marriage and children, yes, have the brotherhood, but at the same time, really be in prayer and allow the word to wash you and let him bring brothers to you as well. Don't idolize it. Yeah. And um, there, there may be a time where God is calling, um, a, a man to stay and build that kind of community. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be mm-hmm. times where God is calling a man to leave and find that kind of community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I don't think that either one of those are always right or always wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on the Holy Spirit's leading and, uh, what he, what he has for you in a given context or given situation. Um, it, it's interesting. So, on the other side of the story of like how you ended up at Cornerstone, I was um, in Sunday school with some teenagers and Quentin helps me with that. And him and I were talking and he's like, yeah, there was this, there's this super cool guy from the Bay area. He's got like tats up and down his arm. And like, he's just <laughs> super cool guy. Like I really liked him. And, uh, and Quentin's Quentin said, you know, I just feel like I'm just going to keep praying for that guy. Like, I don't know if I'll ever see him again, mm. but I'm just going to keep praying for him. And it was months later. And, and, uh, I asked Quentin if he'd ever seen that cool Bay Area guy with tattoos again. And he said, no, but he's like, I've still been praying for him, I just, but I haven't seen him back around yet. And then it wasn't that much longer after the second conversation that you guys showed up at Cornerstone. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that Quentin has been praying for for <laughs> months now. And he came back. Like, so, it means a so, lot. It means a lot to yeah. have that backing in prayer and, and someone like that in in yeah. prayer who cares like genuine yeah. care in the quiet place and is lifting you up like that i'm gonna pass the mic before i start tearing up but that's just <laughs> it's special it's genuinely special yeah i mean you and austin both touched on prayer right so austin was seeking and quentin was was praying ahead of time for you and like just the testament to the power of that is is really cool and and seeing like firsthand examples of that is really encouraging were you gonna say something andrew yeah i think uh, just hearing you know quentin's approach to that, i think it's cool to normalize like bros praying for bros right like it's not not every day that we pray just for like other men in the church right you pray for people who request prayer someone who you know is going through a struggle but um phil Howe has been sending me like weekly texts now saying like this is the prayer theme of the week i'm thinking about your family and i'm i'm praying for you and i'm like all right thanks phil gonna go cry (laughs) he's he's definitely part of like this group one way or another um, but you know, I think when we do these things, he, you know, he, he would, he would sell his house to help us if he had to, but we're like, Hey man, we're going camping. We're going to go with this. He's like, I don't camp. <laughs> Is there a hotel nearby? I'll come join you during the day. <laughs> I just love that kind of like, it sets an example for me, like yeah. that I should be praying for all of you guys. You know, even if there's not something specific that I know is like going on in your life, you should be making your way into my like daily prayer. So yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. And also I mean, we've brought up several examples, but looking towards those men who are in the next stages, um, you know, Quentin, Phil, Matt, Tom Menley, like guys like that, um, they're, they're just warm and fatherly and uh, encouraging and prayerful and um, courageous in the faith, like looking towards those kinds of guys as an example of where you, like, I want to be there on the map, right? When I'm, yeah. when I'm at their age, um, I think it's super helpful because um, you know, we've, we talked about 
you know, the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast and stuff. And uh, one of the things that they point out there is that there was a, a group of young men um, basically running Mars Hill Church in Seattle. And there were, they were, they were like a brotherhood, but there really were no fathers, like spiritual fathers in the equation. Um, and maybe even by design, unfortunately, to some degree. Um, and I think that that's so detrimental to the health of the church, the health of the younger men, um, that we need those, those guys who are those next steps ahead of us. Yeah. I got another question if we can shift gears. Yeah. So, um, just as kind of debriefing that biblical manhood. And again, um, if you listen to our biblical manhood episode, you'll find that we don't differentiate a whole lot between what biblical manhood is and biblical womanhood is, um, that there's a lot of overlap. And even I think everybody involved was pretty surprised with that overlap. Um, but, uh, we're not saying that what we're saying now is exclusive to men, but this is also biblical manhood. And then when we do the biblical womanhood series, um, you know, we'll have a lot of these same conversations, but from a female perspective. Um, however, uh, the question I had was as we have all grown up in a secular culture for the most part to one degree or another, I just want to ask what was it like coming from, uh, what was expected you, uh, as expected of you as a man, in a secular world versus as you started to grow and mature in your knowledge of scripture and who God was and what God calls us into as men, uh, what was that transformation like? And one of the things from our episode before um, in biblical manhood was that the sec- secular world seems to look at, um, what was it? The uh, the ball field, the billfold, and the bedroom, right? Um, you know, athletic, strong, wealthy, good in the bedroom. And that that's kind of what's promoted, at least through Hollywood. And so that does shape us a bit. And so, and then as you grow up, I think you, you know, general people realize it's more than that. They just maybe don't understand exactly what that is. So, um, coming from that and kind of growing into biblical manhood to tell us about, you know, struggles, struggles and successes, um, you know, whether it's from your family or from friends or your own personal thoughts or, some event you were a part of or something like that, you know, just let's walk us through kind of each of us kind of growing into biblical manhood, I guess, if you will. Okay. I'll get us started there. There's right. a, it was a recently over at youth camp. Actually, I had this moment where I had really been struggling. There was a struggle that I was having. It was an internal struggle changing from the secular manhood to that of a man walking in faith. And it was having to let go of the sense of pride that I could not be enough for my wife and child that, that Jesus, the Lord, he had to come in and supplement things that I cannot do. And I had been struggling to put that into words and it hit me like a ton of bricks when we're a youth group. And that realization has actually been a really good thing for me. Um, it's led to good prayer and good conversation with the missus. And, uh, Mm. so it's been, both been a struggle and a blessing for sure. That's good deep on, stuff, bro. bro. That's wisdom. Yeah, yeah, shoot. Yeah, and man, that, that was like three weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> that was like three Just weeks ago. That, that's fresh. That's fresh out of the oven there. For our listeners, uh, we're talking three weeks Ooh. ago here. Nice. Dude, still growing, all of us. Yeah. Here, all still growing and changing. I think for me, it's like growing up rather insecure in a lot of ways. Um, my value is always based on what I could do, you know, either with academics or 
um, some kind of skill, right? And so like all of my value that I gave myself was based on my ability to do things on Mm -hmm. my own. Mm -hmm. And so um, letting go of that and just realizing that like I have value because I belong to Christ and I'm his servant, you know, is um, it's liberating, honestly, like, cause kind of, it pulls a little bit of pressure off of you to try to uh, be perfect on your own. And you realize that the things that actually make you valuable and important as a, a husband, a father, um, and as a Christian are um, none of those things really. I mean, it's all, it's all what you do for the kingdom and, and uh, you know, how you pursue Christ. So um, yeah, that was a, I think, big realization for me getting away from building my own value. Yeah, that's good. What do you guys got over there? Just in case our generator runs out of gas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, um, I think the biggest difference between kind of living with the secular world and as a father and living, you know, in a biblical uh, worldview would be living intentionally what I mean by that is I think for the longest time, really up until not three weeks ago, but recently, uh, I had just been living, uh, just and fathering very passively Mm. and just kind of going with the flow and having fun with my kids and doing all that, but just kind of doing what I, whatever came next basically. And as God's been working on me and as I've been trying to grow my faith in my families, it's been just this huge realization that I need to live every moment intentionally and every day intentionally. And that comes down to what we watch, what we eat, what we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our money. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because everything's turned into a lesson with my kids. <laughs> so everything we do, it's, well, why'd you do that, dad? Well, we did that because I want to glorify God and that's what he would want us to do. And that's coming through in all of our, uh, all parts of our life. So for me, it's been this huge um, shift of rejecting uh, passivity and living intentionally for That's God. Good, yeah. When you get an opportunity, you should talk to Phil. He hasn't finished the book yet, but we had a really good discussion about that last night. He's reading through something about right now being an intentional father. Yeah. You should talk to him. Are you nice. hanging out with Phil one-on-one? Behind our back? We were supposed to share him. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting ta- time with dad by yourself? <laughs> I don't even know what to say right now. <laughs> uh, Jack, what do you got? I'll jump in. I'm a little distracted. I'm watching my glow stick on my pole out there and hoping it moves a little bit, catch a fish here. But until awesome. I snag one, uh, some thoughts, I guess, for me into your question of expectations, secular world, being born again about six years ago, so heavily in that for a while, and I just got to give a shout out and piggyback off my wife, joining the last episode, who dropped some Holy Spirit wisdom on fearing God. Fear God. If you're listening to this episode and you don't have a healthy fear of the Lord, coupled with a love for him, but I don't think there's enough men in this world who fear the Lord in a trembling Ah, the God of the universe. Because society will tell you, don't have any fears. Puff yourself up in pride. Look what happened to Adam in the garden. It's pride. And so if I have to check my heart every morning, it's to surrender my pride in my accomplishments, in my business, when I'm achieving things, all those things that need to be sanctified and cut off with Holy Spirit. It comes back to a fear of the Lord and trusting in Him. And that is a hard thing to accept, but it can also be so freeing when you have one fear and let the rest flow into place as it should as a man following 
God. Yeah, preach that. You know, that sounds like a good episode, actually. What does it mean to fear God? Yeah. That's good, huh? That would be. Man, that's got to be this season. That's all my wife right there. Well, we'll bring you both back. <laughs> Credit actually, to we'll Kelly. Actually, we'll just take Kelly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on. You don't want me back. <laughs> all right. I guess I'll share a little bit. Um, for me, I grew up in... Uh, my, my father was a biblical man. Um, not always. He'll admit that. Not always. But as far as once he had kids, I think that... Uh, um, I mean, he's got a really cool testimony even... Uh, from accepting the Lord to this point where God got a hold of his heart again, he started, he was kind of slipping and, um, and God kind of took control of his heart again and really cool story, just the way God like literally intervened in his life. Um, and so I kind of grew up in that. Um, and so my perspective was coming from, this is what biblical manhood looks like. And then me looking into secular manhood and debating whether I want that or not. And so as I'm playing, you know, football and, and these other sports in high school, that's primarily where it was. I was looking at those guys, listening to the stories. To be honest, I'm looking at what the girls appreciate. And I'm deciding, like, do I want that? And basically, if I were to illustrate it, I basically towed up to the line and I just watched. And, and I did pray. And I did talk to, uh, you know, my dad about it, who we, we have a really good relationship. So I was able just to talk to him about it. And he probably doesn't even remember the conversations. But I was asking these little questions to try to figure out, you know, what kind of man do I want to be? And I think we all come to that point. And um, I think our theology says that God grabs our heart and turns us into these men. And I'm just so thankful um, for that. And I'm thankful for uh, um, a father like my dad. And I'm also thankful for um, being able to have that opportunity to even stand toe, toe that line and watch all these other guys and decide like, do I want that or not? And, uh, I think God just took my heart and said, you're mine. And, uh, continued putting people in my life to, uh, make a biblical man. I got a lot of way to go. I'm a, I'm a big failure the majority of the time. So <laughs> any biblical man is just grace. I think that for myself, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of messy trying to think about, so I have, I don't have as clear cut of a story. I don't think, um, I don't think that I have, you know, such a hard line between secular and Christian because I was very much, um, you know, uh, taking the church and part of youth group and did all the events and, and was in Sunday schools and all that stuff. And so I, I was immersed in Christian culture. Um, I was immersed in, uh, biblical preaching and, um, knowledge uh, of scripture and, and stuff like that, even if my um, heart had not been regenerated at the time. And mm. so um, I think that I had this really clear perspective of what it meant to be a biblical man pretty early on. Um, and I think for a little while I pursued that um, before I was actually saved, um, mostly because I had some sense of you know, whether it be by common grace or whatever, but some sense of morality that I, that I hung on to. Um, and then as, um, you know, things happen, uh, family kind of crumbled, youth group crumbled, um, some things at our church went bad, you know, um, that, that kind of loose sense of morality that I was hanging on to, uh, just didn't cut it anymore. And I decided, you know, if that's what that, um, ends up in, then, I'm going to explore my options, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so uh, then after after that, I pursued um, anything that I thought would make me happy. So partying and all that comes along with that um, and trying to build an identity off of being 
very much like the idea of a secular man. Like I, I kind of got into this weird space like late in high school where I wanted to do whatever I thought was the most manly thing that I could do. Like I, at one point I decided that I was going to do rodeo. And so I literally got an opportunity and I, I got on a rodeo bull and it flung me off like before one second was over. I think <laughs> I hit the ground and I You're decided like cut out for secular man. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't think this is for me. There were different men there. <laughs> I uh, I hit the ground and that beast like looked at me and my heart like fell out of my body and I ran for the fence and I decided that wasn't it. And so then um, you know I. I took some uh, jujitsu classes and thought I was going to be like an MMA fighter and, you know, that would be like super tough. And then I got really into, um, you know, like four by fours and trying to lift my truck and big tires, you know, just like I, I, looking back, I, I feel really bad for myself, which mm-hmm. is a weird thing to say, especially publicly on a podcast. But <laughs> like looking back, it's like, gosh, that, that kid just was grasping for anything, yeah. you know, grasping for anything. And just nothing was satisfying. Um, that's that's biblical right there, man. Yeah, you just it's, said, yeah. it's the truth. I mean, I, I I lived out that theology that I hold to now, mm-hmm. right? I just didn't know yeah. that <laughs> that would be my theology yeah. at the time. You were thirsty. You weren't sure what you're thirsty for. Yeah, yeah. And uh, l- you know, long story short, I I get saved. Um, I believe at a men's conference actually. Um, <laughs> funny thinking about that now during this podcast, but um, and. I, from that point, I mean, that was the first time that I remember, um, I remember regretting sin, but mostly because of its consequences, mm-hmm. its natural consequences, not because, um, I, I broke the law of God, not because, um, I, I, I offended, um, the King, you know, like those deeper meanings behind sin. Um, and after that moment where I believe I was saved, um, I, I couldn't get my emotions, emotions together at all. Like I was heartbroken over everything. Everything made me sad. And so then I was even like a little bit depressed for a while because I was so broken over my sin. Um, and just since that point on, I think that I've just um, continually been um, this work of the Holy Spirit where he's sanctifying um, myself. And there's just been different phases of that becoming a biblical man. Um, I, I don't know that I've you know arrived at anything. I'm not sure we ever do. Um, until we're glorified after death. But Mm -hmm. um, I I think that slowly but surely, like these layers have been peeled off of um, what had kind of wrapped around me from the world and from the culture and and the Holy Spirit's uh, dismantling all of that. And um, it's nice, like the longer that I'm a Christian, I can look back and see those different layers that have been peeled off, right? So I I like, like I said, it's kind of, kind of messy, not as, maybe not as clear. Um, Sounds like a lot of sanctification. Yeah, yeah, tons of sanctification. Yeah, very good. Well, hey, this was uh, a wonderful podcast. I, uh, I appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, Andrew, Daryl, uh, Jack, and Austin, thank you for uh, joining uh, CJ and I here and blessing us with, our, with your presence. And, uh, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate that too. So um, A-plus is here. Thanks for being vulnerable and open with us and sharing this. So other people can tap into this also. Um, if you are listening now and you have any questions, thoughts, or anything like that, feel free to post them into the comments below. And uh, CJ's pretty good at responding to those. Other than that, we uh, absolutely 100% thank everybody for listening and joining us. And this is a wrap for those of us here at Comanche Lake doing the podcast. 
All right. We'll see you guys later.